Hi, John, and welcome to Skills for Mars. I'm very honored hey. to be hosting you. The pleasure is all mine. John, just for everyone to get to know you, can you a bit introduce yourself and then we will get into the really hot topic of making money online and how to do yeah. it. Yeah. So again, my name is John. I grew up in Chicago, Illinois. I lived just under four years in Boston, um, Cambridge, Massachusetts. And now I currently live in LA. I moved away from like my home in 2013. I was in my um, young 20s and I was inspired by a book, Siddhartha. If anyone's read it, you kind of know what I mean. It's an amazing book. Um, and I took the first job I got working for a website doing sales. I thought it was amazing. And I ended up getting fired um, about two years after that. Because, and I used to have a lot of shame saying this, but I, I don't so much anymore. I was in sales. We were a startup when I started. We were bought by outside investors. And while I was making good money, I was um, the top producer in my team. We had to get a call quota that wasn't really my style. So I was calling people that didn't exist to make my sales uh, calls. And uh, that caught up to me. I ended up getting let go from the company. Um, and as cliche as it is, it was one of the best things that ever happened to me because I was not happy. I didn't realize it at the time. I think sometimes that happens with people where like, what's the saying? You uh, mistake the forest for the trees. Um, so anyway, I left that. I started working in fine dining and fell in love with it. I fell in love with food and wine, but I still had like an itch that wasn't getting scratched. And so I started writing Actually, one restaurant that I was working at burned to the ground um, just randomly overnight. And it was wild. I'd served a person that I look up to because I was living in LA at the time. I served Joe Rogan, someone I look up to. He handed me two $100 bills because we comped his meal. And uh, as a symbol, I like kept that. I was like, I'm never going to spend it. I ended up spending it like a month later because I just needed the money. <laughs> but um, so... I started the next morning when that place burned down, I started writing. I bought a domain on Wix um, and the website, I still pay for it today because I, it, I have it as a reminder both to myself and my email list that like when you start, it's not gonna look good um, for lack of a better phrase, I guess. But um, it's called wheresthefidelity.com. And it just had articles on anything. I did a review of this gentleman's um, cider called Eric Bordelais. That's his name. I did a story about meeting people in a hot tub and what we were talking about. These random, they were two um, attorneys. I wrote an article about Simon Sinek, another author that I look up to. And it was just all over the place. And I started to, I just told myself, I'm going to write every day for 30 days. Like the restaurant, my livelihood was just taken away from me in a moment's notice. And if that can happen, like I should probably be doing something that I feel fulfilled with. I was um, smoking cigarettes. I was drinking a lot. I was just living an unhealthy life when I was at that restaurant before it burned down and I didn't like where I was. And so I was like, okay, now I have this blank slate. I was on unemployment, but let's just see what I can do. 
one thing led to another. I started to find new things. I started to discover Quora. I started to discover Medium. And we can, of course, get into those if, if you're not familiar, or your audience isn't familiar. And my life started to form into this thing to which I now call being an uh, internet cowboy because you're in the wild, wild west of the internet. And I've started to see patterns. I've always kind of had a mind for that where I notice certain patterns and how they come up. And I've been documenting that. Like how in the first three months blogging on Quora, I went from zero to over a million and a half views. Like, how did I do that? Let's reverse engineer that because it's valuable. It's valuable for me and it's valuable for other people. And so cut to today, I'm a full-time blogger or internet cowboy. Um, I make enough of a healthy living and I write about things that I love and I'm trying to give back and build a community. That's why I call my website, my business is called Tribe Loyal. I'm trying to build a tribe of people that can build loyal tribes themselves, you know, of a community of like-minded individuals, creators, doers, just general badasses who want to build a fulfilling life for themselves. So that's a little bit about me. I, I actually wanted to ask you where the name came about because I really mm -hmm. like the sound of it, Tribe Loyal. Tell me a that bit was about- part of it. It was phonetics. You know, I wanted it to be like 21st century, you know, like the Google, you know, something like that. Um, there were a lot of bad ideas with the name, but- What is Tribe Loyal doing? So Tribe Loyal is, is the business. It's pretty much the education platform of you're an individual. And by like you, I don't necessarily mean you, Yulia, but like someone's an individual who is working a job that they're not being fulfilled with or um, working for wages they don't believe that they're worth. Maybe they're working in a toxic environment. You need to, or you want to build a community of people that share, <clears throat> excuse me, share maybe your interests or um, you just want to build a tribe. And so it's, it's pretty much the home base for all the educational uh, tools, um, courses that I have. So you can do that. Um, Very interesting. And uh, I'm quite uh, curious to get into that as well and really understand if this is only about blogging or about something else as well. Mm -hmm. um, but tell me something before. Is it really true what the headlines say? Uh, can people make a million in a year? And what does it take to get there? Or is it more about 3,000 a month? Or what is it? Because when you read about in Medium or Quora, when you read a post and the headlines about uh, online careers, you have so many numbers that some really seem unbelievable. And mm -hmm. some because they are so big. It just, they just scare people away. Even if they think about starting an online business, it just feels like it isn't them. How can they go from maybe 30,000 a year or 50,000 a year to something that they've never done before and earn more? Yeah. I mean, I think you can make a million in a year if you rob a bank, if you're Elon Musk and you do a five to one stock split of Tesla, if you do crazy things in the space that I'm in. I don't think, especially starting off that you can do that. Um, when I, uh, when I started medium, didn't even have the, um, metered paywall. This was back in 2017. It was just pretty much like, um, like a blogger.com or something like that. It was a place that I used to help build my email list and to help like get my brand out there. But 
there wasn't any type of redistribution of the membership fees. So what I did, the first dollar that I ever made in this game was in May of 2017. I had written my first um, ebook and it was not, I think you learn this as you, as you go through, but it was not the best quality, like the actual skills I was trying to teach, um, the, even the language, the storytelling of it, but you learn. Um, anyway, I sold it to an individual named Daniel. I won't use his last name, but I'll never forget him for $13 and 50 cents. I remember waking up that May, looking at my phone and seeing the Stripe notification for $13 and 50 cents. And I like damn near dropped my phone. I thought like, I was like, the floodgates have opened. I'm going to be a millionaire. It's over with. I was still working in restaurants at the time. I was like, it's done. I've arrived. And then I kept looking at my phone like every hour. I'm like, where's the next Stripe notification? Like, why is it not coming? So in 2017, I made $13.50 on my first ever sale. The rest of the year, that was in May. So there was still, what, seven more months to go? The rest of the year, I made zero. So I was like, you have this vision that it's like, you know, you're going to make 100000 you're going to make a million, you're going to make half a million, whatever. The reality, at least through my own experiences, you won't. Like, I'll just be as honest as I can with that. You won't. However, I don't think that whether it's blogging, whether it's anything, I don't think that things are supposed to happen overnight. Like we live in 2020, we live in this world where we're kind of like deceived by the overnight celebrity. We're deceived by like, oh, if this person can go on Instagram and get a million followers and have these doctored photos and rent a Lambo, post a picture with it, say, I own it. Everyone should be able to achieve that. I just don't think life happens like that. And especially, you know, we'll get maybe a little bit cerebral, but the universe doesn't open up that way. You know, the universe will open up for you if you put one foot in front of the other. And if you make a choice and you're committed to that, the universe will open up, but it will start with a trickle. It'll start with $13 and 50 cents. It'll start with a penny from the medium redistribution program. Um, it won't start with, you know, if you're at a full-time job right now, you won't quit that job and, and be a full-time blogger tomorrow, but maybe in two and a half years, maybe in three years, maybe in five years, you know, you can start it as a side hustle and build towards that, but. Um, for, for sure. And I think this is something that is very similar to anything we do. First, when we start with baby steps, it's just, where we are. We are at the beginning and we are making mistakes and things don't work and no one knows us. There's no brand, there's no name behind, but slowly one step in front of another, then you can grow your audience. Audience. By the way, is Daniel still uh, one of your customers? Oh yeah. He's on my email list. <laughs> he, um, we'll like just check in with each other every now and then it's, and he doesn't live that far from me. I live in LA. He lives in um, San Diego which is a two hour drive depending on LA traffic. But um, it was, it was, it was just a really surreal moment. And um, again, one of those things that like, I just hope to, cause I, I have big goals with what I'm doing um, just down the road. Like it's something that I'm never going to forget. Cause it was literally the shift in mindset, the shift in believing what's possible, even though again, it was like that one sale over a year goes by and it's like, okay, 
you know, I'm, I'm living in a, a desert, but uh, it was really cool. Does he know how much, uh, uh, how much he means he was your first ever customer? I mean, I've, I've tried through language to tell him that, okay. <laughs> you know, but like, I don't think in terms of actual like emotional connection, because there's no, I think, sufficient language to relay that. But I, I try to let him know. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Do you know, um, uh, there is, I can't remember the name, uh, but there was an article about building a fan base of a thousand loyal yeah. people. And then starting from there, and that's mm -hmm. how you grow your business. Yeah. So it's Kevin Kelly. He's become for Thank me, you. like just a beacon to like aim towards. So he created, it's an online periodical. I want to say it's like a tech crunch or tech base, whatever it's called, or it's like wired, something like that. But anyway, he wrote an article in 2008. So we're talking 12 years ago called a thousand true fans. And it's a pretty long like article that goes into a lot of specifics, but the crux of it is he believes, or not even believes, but knows that going into the future, things are going more online based. And with that, in order to create a viable and sustainable online business, all you need are a thousand true fans. And he defines a true fan essentially as someone who will show up and purchase your product over and over and be really loyal to what you have to offer, be someone who buys in. Um, and his math is pretty simple. As he says, a thousand true fans. And if you can sell a $100 product to a thousand people, you have a $100,000 business. Now it's way easier said than done. However, it's to me more realistic and more attainable, like what you were saying in the beginning of this conversation, that like, instead of making a million dollars or getting the Ferrari, whatever it is, selling that unattainable dream, like, oh, a thousand, a thousand's not that crazy, right? Um, it's still hard. You know, you're still going to need to put in the work. But yeah, he is a, I use him a lot in my work as a practical example, but also like a metaphor of like, you don't have to go into this with all the white noise and all just the misinformation that comes your way, you don't need to go into this and have your goal be, I'm going to make a quarter million dollars next year. No, your goal. I mean, for me, the first goal, and I've written about this plenty of times, to me, the first goal is to make a penny in whatever currency it is. Because once you're on the plus side of triple zeros, you've won. You know, you've won. And everything else after that is just gravy you know, and then you can keep stacking on top of that. That to me is the first goal because that's attainable. For sure. Know? How long did it take you? Uh, when did you start? So 2017 was when you made your first uh, money from the book, but when did you mm -hmm. start actually writing? How long did it take you to get there? Oh, I started writing. It was January 21st of 2017. That was um, the day after the restaurant burned down. And so I mean, I technically started writing that next morning when I bought my Wix site. Um, and really, I was probably doing what millions, the strategy millions of people just automatically default to was, I'll write, I will post it live so it's on the internet. Well, the first strategy was, okay, I posted it so everyone's going to see it. I'm going to be like internet famous. And it was like, I didn't even get a single view. 
you know, or I got a single view, but it was from my IP address, <laughs> you know? Um, and then it was posting on Instagram, right? And my mom was liking all my posts, you know, things like that, or some friends from high school, maybe. They, and, those are uh, part of a thousand true fans, for sure. Yeah. You have to count them in. That's how, you that's have how to things count are. everyone, you know, exactly. and that's the thing. That's the juxtaposition is you feel a little bit down because you're like, oh, it's six people. Yeah, but it's your first post. And six people's great. You think about 30 years ago in 1990, six people to see anything was like a real struggle. You'd have to get on the phone and dial people or, you know, it's like, it's a gift. The scale that we have, you know, Um, but I found medium uh, in early, it was either late 2017 or early 2018. I found Quora at the same time. And I just went, I dove headfirst into both of those, uh, both of those platforms, not even knowing the gift that they were, but just knowing it's like, oh, like the metaphor I use, I use it in uh, my course. I use it in some of the articles that I write. Is like, pretend you're a fisherman, a fisherwoman, and you're casting out. Would you rather be in a like fishing hole that just has like, it's small, but has a thousand fish. And every time you cast in, you're getting a bite. Or would you rather just be like on a raft in the Mediterranean not knowing where the fish are at because when you host and you just have a website and you're just putting articles out there, that's like being in the Mediterranean. Whereas like, if you're finding the pockets on these platforms, it's like you're finding people that are interested in the content you can produce. So you might as well go to where they are and help them out. For sure. And I do want to talk about them because there are differences between them. And Mm -hmm. I wanted to get into which one is better for someone who's starting, but you did mention, and we are both talking about, are they different or not? Is blogging different than writing articles? What's the difference with reporting news? At some point, I even thought that blogging was dead. And apparently, uh, I, I read a few uh, days ago, a bit of a history of blogging. And indeed, in the early 2000s, it started to die a bit. Mm-hmm. But then my feeling is that it turned into something different. But I want your view on it. I'm, not, I'm not, definitely not an expert in blogging. Yeah. So blogging, I mean, do you know the actual, like where the word blog came from? From weblog, right? Weblog. Yeah. Yeah. And that to me is a little bit antiquated now of a definition of it, just from my own vantage point. Um, And I get a lot of those questions actually in my email list of like, what's the difference between blogging, between online content writing, between even some people are calling it digital marketing. And that's why I'm kind of like, standing at the pulpit and trying to, I'm trying to brand internet cowboy and and cowgirl, you know, because it is like loosely, there's a loose definition to me. Blogging is really just getting your voice and your content out into the world and helping. That's a really key facet into the monetization, at least helping an audience solve their problems. There's a lot of people and I love what they're doing is they're still going with the weblog definition. Like this is my online journal. And if that's it for you, amazing. Like go forward with it. I know it has therapeutic value. I journal all the time. I don't put it out into the world, but it helps when you get those thoughts and emotions to paper or to screen, whatever. And you want to share those with an audience. Um, From the skills that I teach, those aren't what I'm looking at. 
because again, I want to help people that again, are not feeling fulfilled in their job. And maybe they want to start as a side hustle, build the side hustle into something, build that into maybe an exit. So my definition of blogging is finding a niche, writing online content that aims at that niche, and most importantly, solves problems that the people within that niche are dealing with, whether it's health and fitness, whether it's, for me, it's the problem that I'm helping people solve is getting their voice online, you know, and monetization of that. So in order for it to go from just writing to business, you have to solve that problem. Hope that answers your question. Yeah, for for sure. And I think, and maybe you can help with this as well. There's a fine line right now with news reporting as well. I somehow feel that everyone is trying to get their view of the story, right? Mm -hmm. uh, because a lot of people report on the same news or on the same item, trying to help the same uh, niche. And everyone is trying, even if it's a journalist or non-journalist, trying to put their spin on the story. Or am I wrong here? That's a bit. I mean, that's definitely happening. Mm -hmm. And I think that people believe people believe that they'll be able to create a sustainable business model with that. Um, from my own vantage point, I'm a little bit paranoid when it comes to the uh, whole online realm. That's why I have invested and created my own proprietary products. And that's why my education um, kind of leans that way is I'm afraid of like an algorithm changing or something like that. And it's like, well, if you don't have an email list to fall back on, if you don't have a proprietary product to help your audience, where are you left? You know, the algorithm changed and now you can't get your, um, your slant on the news out to an audience. You're back at square one. And so part of, again, my, my aim, my mission, my education is, is driven by some paranoia to protect yourself, you know, and, and it takes a lot more work, I think, to, um, you know, I spent four months building my online course, um, learning how to do audio, learning how to do video, learning how to do editing on, you know, my Mac and, and all those things it takes a lot longer, but I believe that you're building more of a sustainable business going forward and you're just solving more of a problem, which helps out an audience rather than giving your take on something, you know? And plus, I think you learn how to be self-reliant as well and learn that you can do something that maybe you've never done before. And uh, talking about this, uh, for those who are listening to us, and if they want to start blogging or just building an online career, where is the best thing to start, best the place to start? And what should they have in mind as they start mm -hmm. that would help them along the way? Yeah. So from my own personal experience, that's always how I can talk, is I would start by first thinking about what interests you, okay? What you're passionate about. And not stopping there though, figuring out in that passion space, what problems exist there, right? You are passionate about, my girlfriend is in grad school right now to become a nutritionist. She wants to work in policy, um, but there are problems, like her passion is nutrition 
And there are problems within that space that she's trying to solve. Now she dabbles with um, blogging and things like that, but her main mission is outside of that. But I'm just using this as an example is she found something that she loves. She's investing her entire life in this space and she's working to solve problems. A lot of people stop at, well, what am I passionate about? I'm passionate about rollerblading. So I'm going to write about how much I love rollerblading. Again, which is great. That's kind of the, the weblog, the classic blogging definition when you're writing about yourself and your connection with it and the therapy maybe that those ideas give you. If you actually want to flip it and turn it into something that's viable and sustainable going forward, you can't make it about yourself. You have to make it about the people that are reading your content or like in your case, I love the mission you have is like, I'm trying to solve the problem of different skills, different industries that are opening up going into the future. So I'm going to make it about whoever clicks on this video is going to learn a different skill moving forward into the 21st century. You know, you've addressed the problem and you're trying to solve it. That is the key. And so once you get there, Again, in my space of writing, the first thing I would do is I would create a core account. If you haven't already, I would do that before Medium. And I know Medium is very appetizing because of the actual monetization within Medium. However, I think you're going to hone your skill as a writer when you go into Quora. And it seems like you're familiar with Quora, but just for your audience, Quora is a question and answer based platform that sees uh, 300 million unique users monthly. And that's where they get the name Q U for question O R or a answer. You have topics that you can follow. So let's just, again, for the example, go into rollerblading. Um, it's probably not going to be that big of a topic on Quora, but you follow the rollerblading topic and there's going to be questions that are written about it. What are the best rollerblades to buy? How do I do this trick? How they're all questions, which for me, Three years ago, it clicked in my head. I'm like, oh, these are the problems. The questions are the problems. So let me give my two cents on how I've addressed this problem in the past. What was my solution to it? And so you have the ability, especially starting off as a writer, finding a writing prompt is hard. It's like, boom, the writing prompt is right in front of you. And you're testing out in real time because you get feedback from upvotes and views and comments, all that stuff, are my solutions viable? It's literally going into like the Silicon Valley testing phase of am I providing viable solutions to an audience? And you'll see that with engagement. So that would be the first step that I do above all. Figure out what I want to write about. Think about any problems within that space. Go on Quora and just test, 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 test. And the testing is by creating content. So going on Quora, perfect. You find the you find the question, and then what are they supposed to write? An answer or an article? Well, it's both. Both. So they're writing their answer um, is in article format, and I know that like for a lot of people starting off, what does that even mean? I would honestly just start writing what comes to your mind, because again, I did. X amount of months on Wix without Quora beforehand. And I was just writing like thoughts is what I was calling them. Um, that was kind of, to me, like the web log. I was logging what I was thinking about. Um, 
And I started to look at writers on the platform within my space. And back then in 2017, I was writing in personal development, self-improvement, behavior, psychology, motivation. And very quickly, I went in three months, I got a million and a half views and I was the top writer in that space. And, um, but in order to get there, I was seeing, okay, what are people that are already doing what I want to do? What are they doing right? And now I'm not advocating like plagiarism or anything like that, but look at the structure of the article. Look at the headline. Look at the questions that they're answering. What tone are they using? Are they being like showing a lot of personality? Are they being more textbook style? What are they doing that's working? And because you don't need to reinvent the wheel. You know, a lot of people are, I think, discouraged by the word like oversaturation or like overcrowded in the marketplace or the space. Um, But I think that's almost an advantage for individuals starting off. And what I mean by that is look at um, health and fitness, which is a huge topic, a huge niche, a huge space. You have the people that are obviously at the top of the mountain already. However, those people have a voice that only resonates with certain people. There's a quote by um, a writer. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. His name is James Altucher. Have you ever heard of him? No. So he wrote a book um, called Choose Yourself. He used to be a writer for uh, HBO back in the 90s. Was very successful, started investing, started his own hedge fund. And then in 2008, 2009, lost everything. He ended up being homeless for a little bit. Uh, He went into a severe depression. His marriage fell apart. And he turned himself around um, over a handful of years. But he has this quote that I love that is, regardless of what you do in life, in your creative endeavors, there are going to be three different parties of people that um, receive your work. 30% are going to love it. 30% are going to hate it. And 30% aren't going to give two dams about it. Now, of course, the math doesn't add up. That's not 100%. But hey, we don't need to worry about that right now. But he's like, focus on the 30% that love you. And I think that when you're writing maybe in a perceived oversaturated space, there are people that are going to be like, you know what, that Yulia, I like the way she communicates. I don't care that maybe it's not like, again, the person at the top of the mountain, you know, you're not the Joe Rogan of podcasting right now, at least, but there's people that are going to gravitate towards you over someone else. And that's a gift that you have. You don't know that yet because you haven't started off. You haven't produced any content, but the more you produce, you're going to see those Daniels of the world that keep coming back and keep following you. And um, that's your advantage. You know, your unique voice is your advantage. Did you have to deal with negative comments at first? Oh, absolutely. And when I first did, I would close my door and I would just like, I wouldn't open up the computer for the whole rest of the day. And now I just go back to the 30, 30, 30. I'm like, you know, there's no, and I'll never get into like a, what do they call it? Like Twitter war, even though it's not on Twitter, it's on like Quora or Medium. I'll never get into a finger pointing. Um, I'm kind of at a point now, it's, it's something that I deal with. I can't respond to every single comment. It just takes up too much of my day. You know, it's kind of, I guess, just a product of, you know, building a community. Um, but back then is whenever I had a negative comment, it was like, I thought to myself, what can I learn from this person? 
you know, cause I, I really truly think that there is that opportunity. Maybe I am, you know, it's, it's something that I, maybe I am wrong, you know, and people hate saying that it's hard to say, but, and, and when you Did you get valuable that, feedback when you asked them or some of, some were just trolling? You some know, like I, to troll. No, there are so many people because I've gotten called an idiot. I've gotten called a fraud. I've gotten called everything you can imagine. And now it's easier to deal with. Um, but there were a lot of times where I said, I'm like, wow, I appreciate your feedback. There's probably, and I'm telling you exactly what I would write. There's probably a lot that I can learn from you. I've actually gone to your profile. I've read some of your articles. I think you have a unique perspective. And then like the next day, I'll get a response to that being like, whoa, I was just really heated yesterday. Some of my words were really like, I take that back and I'm like, oh, there's still just a human on the other side of it. Like when we put up this screen, it changes. You know, it's like people throwing up, I don't know what the equivalent to a middle finger is in Amsterdam, if it is the middle finger, but it's like you're in your car, you throw up the middle finger, you feel safe in that car. Where it's like, if you're just walking in like, you know, the city park, you're not going to just walk up to someone and throw them the middle finger. You do that online too, but you got to remember, we're still human beings on the other side of it. And I think when you come at it from that vantage point, you can, it's surprising to see what people respond with after the negative comment. I think that's something very valuable to learn because when you get online, you always deal with negative reactions. It's... Because they cannot see you, it's way easier to just assume you're an idiot mm-hmm. and just lay it out there as if nothing will happen and it has no consequences. And there yeah. are people who suffer very much uh, because of it. But they, yeah, most of the people would just uh, get over with the, get on with their lives and uh, and learn if they, there's something to learn or uh, just uh, don't uh, think. Yeah, about and that's or, a gift um, that I feel. And I can tell this from you as we're just sociable people, social people. Um, it's easy for us, I think, to strike up new friendships or just be curious about other individuals. That's a gift. I don't know what caused that. Um, I don't, right now it's not worth kind of hashing out, but there's a lot of individuals that don't have that. And it's harder to be open and their way of maybe getting that out is by trying to put someone else down, even if they're not intentionally doing that, they don't realize maybe the negative effect on them that it could be, uh, could be causing. Um, I mean, this maybe is a uh, uh, tangent, but I don't know about you, but I'm very big into mindfulness. I have to meditate every single day. And that has helped me put myself in the individual, which sometimes it's hard to see them as an individual on the other side. You just see this little circle with a face. Sometimes there's even no face. Sometimes it's a name and a language that I don't speak. And it's hard to be like, that's a person just like me. For me, mindfulness meditation helps me like, just take a step back. It's not personal. Maybe they're having a bad day. There's forces outside of their control that they're dealing with that you're not you know, just because they called you an idiot who doesn't know anything about the world, (laughs) (laughs) you'll be fine. You still have, you know, your body. (laughs) Oh, for for sure. It helps me as well. And it helps me Mm -hmm. focus, which is the most important part of it. Mm -hmm. Now, so Quora, you take a test, you get the, you, you answer questions, you write them in the forms, forms of article, you learn from others. When do you move to medium? When do you know that you're ready to move to a 
I think it appears that it's a bigger platform. It's a good question. So um, actually in the course that I have, I have it after three months or X amount of articles, whichever one comes first, and you're at least seeing some type of feedback. And I don't give an actual number of like views or comments, but again, Medium is very appetizing because there's a lot of dreams that are written about or illustrated on that platform. Um, but I think unless you have maybe a history in freelance or you've been a copywriter or you're just a content writer by trade and you know what you're already doing and you haven't done um, X amount of articles or three months, one month, two month, you don't have any practice under your belt, you're going to, maybe I can't assume this necessarily, but the likeliness of you becoming discouraged because you're only getting six views, 16 views, 25 views of your content might cause a lot of people to lose faith in themselves and the platform, which I think is, it's just being kind of, it's not seeing the whole picture. You're not going to have a hundred thousand views on your first article. It's just algorithms are smarter on the technical side. No one knows who you are. You can't expect to be, you know, I feel like our generation, the younger generation have been fooled by like, um, you know, the YouTube of 12 years ago, you know, where Justin Bieber can make one video and now he's the biggest star on the planet. The, you probably know this because of YouTube is YouTube won't monetize you until you have 4,000 hours of content and a hundred, a thousand subscribers. Right. Exactly. So they know they don't want the flash in the pan content producer or the content creator, they want the consistency over the long haul. That's what they're looking for. Medium is the same way. They don't explicitly have those guidelines, but they change their algorithm to read time. They don't want the clickbait headlines, people to get 100,000 views, but then have six seconds average reading the article. They want you to have actually engaging content. You learn that, again, in my opinion, from practicing that on Quora, targeting people that are actually looking for the content that they're asking for. So. What's a good blogger or someone who writes good online content? What should someone aim for in terms of skills, in terms of readership? What's a good blogger? To me, the most important thing doesn't have anything to do with readership. It doesn't have anything to do with the amount of money that you make, it doesn't have anything to do with, to me, the biggest thing is consistency. Are you going to show up every day and either research content, produce content? And of course, now I'm speaking as a person who makes his own schedule, is wide open with the amount of time contingencies that I have. Like it's, it's crazy. It's through the roof. But I was also working when I was doing this um, in the past. I was working in fine dining, going into a restaurant at 3 p.m., not getting off until 1 p.m., waking up at seven o'clock in the morning because that's when I, you know, exercise, I'll go for a run, like that's important for me. Then doing, going on Quora, researching, like I was jam packing my days. I get how hard the side hustle is. Um, but back then in 2018, I was writing two articles a day, five days a week. 
I kind of went a little bit crazy. I had to step, step back. I started to chase like the views I started to, and I saw how that psychologically wasn't good for me. Um, but I wanted it, you know, and I, I do think that above all, there is no flash in the pan there. Like I, for your audience, for anyone who ever watches this, I don't think that you should ever have the mindset. And I don't like to shoot on people, but you shouldn't have the mindset that like, if your first article doesn't succeed, you know, it doesn't get a thousand views, 10,000 views that you're a failure. You know, if you write 10,000 articles and they all get one view, maybe blogging isn't the best thing for you. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) How important is the headline? I keep hearing that. How important is it? To me, I think it's, like no joke. It's one of 70, 80%, maybe like 70% of, um, cause once you get into like medium and again, read time, stuff like that, the content is very important, but, um, you can write the best article in the world. And if you're, and I did this, I mean, again, you can look at my first website, where's the fidelity and all of my titles were like esoteric. They were artsy. They, I understood them completely. I understood the emotion behind them. I understood the intention behind them. But again, there's this shift when you start to make it more about your audience is, I think there was one article I wrote on my first website. It was called like Hot Tub Time Machine, which was like a play on the movie. And it was talking to the, um, the attorneys in the hot tub because I felt like time slowed down. The conversation was in a flow state. The audience, the reader is going to be like, what does that mean? Okay, I'm going to keep scrolling and look for another article, right? Um, we if do they get to this- that, right? Because I imagine that there are algorithms and they would never look for such a title. Yeah, I, I mean, the algorithm, so like the AI, the computer, and even the human aren't going to... You have to offer like a path, is what I call it, and a promise. Like, what are you going to get? by trusting me and clicking on this article. And people, again, people on my email list all the time, they're like, do I, you, you really want me to spell it out like that? Like verbatim? Cause I'll give them a lot of feedback. I'll say like, this article is great. Here's how I would improve it. You know, someone um, just gave me, they were like 10 free online tools to help start your business. And I was like, that's good. Do you know how it would be great? And they were getting back to me. They're like, how? I was like, start your business doing what? Like increase revenue? Start your business with traffic? Start your business by getting a brick and mortar store? Like I'm lost. I don't know what's getting started. You know, what are these free tools going to do? Like spell it out. And maybe like, it feels like it's more specific. But again, you want specificity because you want to target certain people that adhere to your voice, that understand you and are getting that exact problem solved. Um, So I think it's very important and it takes a lot, a lot of practice. Like you'll think that your, your article is good or your headline is good, excuse me. Um, And then like 18 months later, you'll be like, dang, I can't believe I wrote that headline. Like it's so vague and it just happens as part of the practicing, you know, 
mindset. But I guess it makes sense because when I look online, even when I search for articles, I'm looking for very specific things. So I always name it, whether it's talent acquisition or HR or a certain part of it. Or if I'm looking for something related to remote work, I would always mention what, and I would look the speci- I would look for the specific wording and the type of remote working that I'm looking for. So I would never be as general as, um, I don't know, yeah. I would never ask something general to Google because I know that uh, I, I'm going to get all sorts of answers and it's, I want to find my answer very, very quickly. Yeah. I mean, so think I, about what you just kind of illustrated in that example, right? Cause I'm guessing you're talking about like search engine, Google or something yeah, like that. Exactly. Like exactly. But that exact action that you just kind of laid out is Quora, right? You're asking the question to Google and Google's going to spit you back the answers. And now if the, the headline doesn't give you exactly the promise of that answer, how to blank, or um, I, it's not my favorite type of headline or even structure of an article, but like 10 ways to blank. That's the promise right there, right? Oh, how to, um, I don't know, you're in HR, how to fire someone, you know, it's like, or how do I fire uh, someone? Yeah, but you have to ask it very specifically. How do you fire someone in the Netherlands? who has this yeah. type of contract, right? Because Without otherwise- getting sued, get really, you know, like yeah. uh, specific. And it, it feels weird when you're starting off as a, an online writer. Um, but like, I can't stress it enough. Like the specificity helps the reader. And that's your whole goal is solve their problems for them. You know, help them get from point A to point B. Um, one of the most influential books that I ever read, and this is, I hope, going you know, to help with the example. Um, one of the most influential books I ever read was Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich. To me, that's the most like, and of course he published the book in 1938. This term wasn't even around, but it's the most clickbaity headline you'll ever like see, think and grow rich. Like I remember being in college being like, this is a joke. I'm not going to read that. I read it recently within the last handful of years. And this individual, that's why like, I would say like 70% he caught my attention with the title and I was like, okay, that's clickbaity. He, it took him 25 years, this individual Napoleon Hill to write the book. He was coached by an individual who was another role model of mine, uh, Dale Carnegie, if you're yeah. familiar with him. So he was coached by him. He was a, a protege of Dale Carnegie and it took him 25 years to write and publish this book during the great depression um, of the 1930s. And he interviewed and studied some of the most successful people in the business realm almost 100 years ago. Uh, Well, if it took him 25 years in in 1938, it was, yeah, 100 years ago. Um, So his content actually, like, lived up to the crazy headline. And so there is this balance. You can't write how to make a million dollars and get a Lamborghini and the girl of your dreams in 30 days and then not deliver on that. Like, that's why I call the headline a promise. You, your reputation's on the line. Like, can you deliver with what you're promising? So, And I think that's where, that's good that Medium changed the way they're incentivizing people and looking at the read time and not the click. Absolutely. Absolutely. It should help with that for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Moving away from the headline, what I've also noticed, and this is YouTube as well, but I've also noticed it on Quora and on Medium, just following your articles as well, that uh, 
it's not only about writing a blog, but there's a lot of association with affiliate links, right? And uh, you can see it. Anyone who's talking about books online, they have an Amazon affiliate link for, for the books. Mm-hmm. Or if they're talking about uh, electronic gear, then they would have an affiliate link. When does this come into play? Do you, should so, you start it early on or? It's appetizing to start it early on. From my own experience, it's been something that has come later. And that is because, A, I want to test out all the things that I'm recommending. When it comes to books, that's something that you can definitely experiment with. If you've actually read the book, you feel like it's valuable to your audience. Maybe it's a health and fitness book. It's a marketing book. It's um, a self-improvement book, something like that. Uh, How to groom your dog, whatever. Um, Because you've actually, it's something that's quick, digestible, and then you can relay to your audience. A lot of people get into the space and they do a lot of SaaS products, software as a service products that they do affiliate links with. And I know it's very appetizing. I get a lot of people on my list to ask me like, oh, I want to do all these things. My first question is, do you use the product? And they say, no, but I can make 30% commission recurring monthly off it. I am very hesitant towards recommending something that A, I'm not an expert in, and B, I've never used, right? Because again, a lot of this, it's such an appetizing space, like everything online and to work for yourself. It's all just so intriguing and, and you want to do it. You want to find your pot of gold, but you have to remember your reputation is on the line. And if you're pitching affiliate links that you, you know, someone runs into a technical problem and you don't know how, you don't know how to guide them because you've never used it but it was, you know, 30% recurring revenue. Yeah. It's a small fraction of my um, monthly income, uh, my monthly revenue. Um, Again, I'm paranoid. I like to have proprietary products. I like to actually be 100%. Um, I don't work with a team. I, I fly solo, but if I had a team, it'd be like me and my team are behind this product we can help you solve the problem rather than, um, again, it's already made. I, if I can just jam it down people's throat, um, once you become an expert in it, then I would stand behind it, but um, only until you have some experience behind your belt. Thank you. Now, when, I, when we started this, I told you that one of the reasons why I started the podcast was uh, because there is a fear out there that robots will take our jobs. And I have seen uh, even a lot of media outlets that have renowned that are using algorithms right now to, at this point, not to build the content, but to select it and curate the content and put it on their, on their site. Do you think that at some point AI will, play, will be a bigger player in this field and maybe a blogger's job or a, an article writer's job will be at stake? Yes. Um... And coming at it from a place of not being like a futurist or I've definitely done some reading of the literature, um, knowing that like 73 million jobs in the U.S. alone are going to be outsourced by automation by 2050. I think it was a USA Today article, like 2018. I've cited it in a lot of my work. Um, I do think wherever there comes a problem, there is an opportunity. The opportunity that I at least see if kind of that goes forward in this space is not to a place where you're kind of sacrificing your own privacy, but there's a transparency element of a human 
that a AI isn't going to have. Um, for instance, like putting your actual self out there. Now I know even AI in terms of like video editing is making a lot of people actually look like it's a real human there. But I do think that there is, there's always going to be a way to get that human touch to another human on the other side of that screen that maybe we don't even know that hasn't been like created yet. Um, like Neuralink, Elon Musk's Neuralink is something that scares the hell out of me and also intrigues me, you know? And so while like, obviously the fear maybe is like a, a problem there, there's gotta be some things that we haven't thought about yet. And I know he's kind of far out in terms of the actual recreational use of it or the public use of it. It's going to be more of a medical thing um, in the initial stages, but um, there's gotta be some, yeah, I mean, it, it does scare me that AI can curate articles and put them out there. However, I think human beings are very savvy to be like, to actually do some type of homework and due diligence of like, who's actually writing this? You know, do some digging into the website. Like you had to do that digging into my website to know that this wasn't all bupkis, right? That I was actually, I was able to at least be called upon and give you my story, right? So, yeah. And it might not happen. So this, even if it happens and AI will start writing content, good content that people don't even realize it's there, it's not going to happen now. So I, I think there's a lot of uh, noise around this AI, but at this point, it's very simple algorithm. So I think it's still in the future. But there are skills that maybe you have gained while learning to write and building a presence online, which might be useful for the future nonetheless, whether you will do this job or not. Can you think of some of the skills that you think, hey, whether I'm continuing like this or not, it's still going to be useful. I can use them for something else. They are transferable. They are long lasting. Yeah. And I had to do this. I had to think about that question when I was working in food service because um, there were times when I would get down on myself, even though it's fast money for anyone who's listening that's ever worked in food service, you know that it's definitely a young individual's game, um, but definitely, well, it's different in Europe perhaps, but in the States, it's you can make a, a good living, especially when you're young and you're able-bodied and you have the energy because it it's taxing. But I had to think about that exact question. Like what skills am I learning in this industry that I'm taking forward into life? And some of the biggest things were like hosting, cooking. And those are like the two biggest ones. Again, we're human. It's a really important thing to me. And I can tell you, Leah, with you that like a human connection is important is I love bringing people over. It's hard, especially in the States with COVID, but I love bringing people over. I love cooking for them. Like most of my meals, it's maybe not the most American thing in the world, but most of my meals are home cooked. You know, everyone does takeout out here, but um, I love experimenting with new things. I love wine. I've gotten really big into understanding wine and educating my friends on that and bringing community together, even if it's six people, even if it's your family on the holidays, like those are skills that I learned going forward. With writing, you're able to, I think, converse with people better because it's the act of taking your thought, putting it to paper. Well, I mean, it's like a screen, but putting it to paper and structuring that thought 
in a way that someone else is going to understand. And I think that that translates to conversation and to really giving an understanding of someone else's vantage point. I mean, think about the, the negative criticism that we talked about. I had to put myself in their shoes. That skill translates into real time when you're talking with someone, if you come up to a disagreement or something like that of like, I didn't mean any offense, but can we at least understand each other rather than just turn into, you know, a head budding. And that's a skill that's invaluable, I think, to anyone going forward. How about tribe loyal? So for those that will look you up and try to learn something, what can they learn if they go to tribe loyal? Well, they can learn um, a lot of things. The, the biggest thing that I would do if I were an individual, and of course it's a shameless plug, but I would join my 11-day boot camp because I try to structure it over, I mean, 11 days is kind of a long time. It's a third of a month. So it's a little bit heady. But I try to take this huge world, this sometimes confusing and overwhelming world of like, how do I create a blogging business and distill it down? It's still from 35,000 feet. You know, there's not enough time to fully go into the actual like technical work. My course does that. Um, if you want to actually invest in yourself, I do um, a complete walkthrough of starting from scratch, actually building out your pages, building out your website building out your digital products, generating traffic, leveraging that traffic, all that stuff. But if you're, if you want to just dabble, if you want to get your feet wet, I would do that because then you at least have it saved too. You have at least like the emails that you can go back to and be like, on day one, what he's talking about in day four doesn't really make sense. But six months down the road, when you have a little bit more experience, you'd be like, oh, now I get it. You know, and I had to do that when I was starting off again. Like I said, I went on Quora and I was looking at people that were doing what I want to do. I joined like a crazy amount of like email lists and actually invested in products and all that stuff. And it's scary and some things don't work. Maybe mine won't work for you. And again, like I'm not going to be able to speak to everyone. Seth Godin, um, a marketer, talks, one of his biggest quotes is, uh, everyone is not your customer. Like, I know that some people aren't going to resonate with me and that's, that's okay. But hopefully there's someone else that's doing something similar to me. You're like, okay, that person, I get it. Um, but if you're going to go to the website, I would definitely do that and, um, and see where it takes you. Cause you don't have to have it all figured out right now, especially if you're just starting out. So 11 day bootcamp and the course, how long is it? The course is self-guided. Okay. The goal is to be monetized in three months, but it is, it's not one that I have like a um, enrollment period, but you have complete access to me. Um, I say like 24 seven, but there's times I am sleeping and that I, you know, uh, turn off you email on my phone. You do reply very quickly to emails. I try to. I mean, that's the, you know, 2020. I try to. Um, there is, Sunday is my day. I'm not a really religious person, but God rested on the on Sunday. So I do not do any work. Like I said, I was writing two articles a day and it got to a place where my sleep was getting messed up. And um, it, it's weird when you don't have like an office to go to and like that schedule and you can't like walk away from work. You have to create these boundaries. I feel you. Um, but yeah, um, the course, my goal is literally like, if you're going to take a chance on me, 
I'm going to do what I can within, you know, my means to make sure that you're actualizing your dream. And I'll tell people straight, like some people, they, they have interests, they have passions and niches that won't work. You know, they're just, there's no way to monetize solving the problem or something like that. And I'll tell them, but um, yeah. And for those who want to reach out, can I share your email or would you sure. prefer to be contacted by LinkedIn or just uh, through the website? No, I really need to work on my LinkedIn portfolio. I okay. know it's very valuable. I, I have some stuff out there. People, I've actually, one thing that I think is great for people starting off and practicing their skill is I've gotten freelance paying clients that pay good money um, coming to me from the stuff that I produce, coming from LinkedIn, knowing that I'm a content writer. Um, and I've never once like gone out and looked for a freelance job. They've always come to me. Um, but no, my, my email is John, J-O-N, I don't spell with an H, at tribeloyal.com. You can email me directly. I will try my best to respond to the email within five seconds like I normally do. And uh, yeah, my, my door is always open. Thank you so much. Did I forget to ask you something, John, that maybe it would be useful to share some last tips or something for those that want to dip their fingers into blogging and online money-making? Yeah. I mean, we, we definitely, uh, well, the, the biggest thing that they can do is buy my course. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, just for sure. We'll make sure there's a link for that. Yeah. Um, I actually created, I didn't know if there was going to be an opportunity, but I created a coupon code. If people want to use it for $200 off, they can do, um, skills for Mars 200. I created it and, uh, we'll get that if you want. Um, cause I do, I, again, it's reputation. I stand behind my work, but the biggest thing is more of a cerebral thing. And it really is that like, if this is your dream, like it was my dream, it's not going to happen overnight. It's probably not going to happen in a month. It's probably not like in six weeks. It took me four years to make this like actually something where I'm proud of and I can see how I can grow it. And I have bigger goals than just where I am right now. But starting off, I had zero clue as to what I was doing. And that's just something that I want to like really drive home for individuals is, is you're going to show up and I know you're already going to be working a full-time job, maybe two jobs, and you have an hour that you can research an article or just write out an outline. Um, but it, the more you show up, and this is something I got from Think and Grow Rich, but the more you ask the universe and you show up and you put in the work every day, the more things will start to actually come into your life and you'll see them and it'll start to make sense. And, um, sounds woo woo, but I fully believe it. Yeah. It's the same as how do you eat an elephant? It's still, you still go piece by piece, right? So, yep. <laughs> and it's it takes exactly. a while to eat it all, to eat it all. So. Yeah. John, thank you so much for your insights and thank you for your time and for your energy and sharing everything with us. Absolutely. Thank it's you so been much. It's a pleasure. Really. Absolutely. I'll be on the podcast again, I hope. Yes, 